0: Truth, universally acknowledged, that two friends in possession of a podcast must be in want of a bad movie to roast. Good day, friends, and welcome to Bad Movie Sunday. I am Ashley. And I am Amy. (laughs) And we are a podcast that watches bad movies. You don't have to. I'm losing my accent a bit now. (laughs) Um, We roast them.
1: We toast them.
0: And we sure do have quite a bit of fun. <laughs> Today's movie is the seriously underrated Pride and Prejudice, but not the Pride and Prejudice your grandma knows. No, no, no. <laughs> this has a, a modern twist to it. This is Pride and Prejudice and zombies.
1: And zombies. The zombies are a very vital factor in this Pride and Prejudice movie by the way this is our first halloween episode we are lucky this year because we have three coming out this month and we decided to start off with zombies so that's fun yeah we got a whole month
0: of spooky flicks planned out for you and this is the the one to kick it off and it's very fitting i was like um i watched this a while ago and i was kind of worried it wasn't sort of you know, spooky enough, but it was. It's it had that like little bit of horror in it. It was very spooky, very Halloween esque, an excellent flick if you're looking for something to watch this month.
1: Yeah, and you know what I like? It's spooky, but I didn't really think it was scary. Because I think you and I are similar in that we don't really Watch a lot of horror movies. I'm yeah. like a super big scaredy cat, so I was very relieved that this wasn't like a complete horror zombie flick. There was some like gore, I guess, but I wasn't scared. Maybe because I watched it in like the daytime, uh, but I was <laughs> that helps. And I wasn't really scared during it, which I liked because I don't really like horror movies. But yeah. This is a good pick for our fun season. This is season three. We're bringing in fun movies. Our first season, we brought in movies that we wanted to roast. Our second season, we tried to toast. And season three, we're just having a lot of fun. Yeah, I
0: brought this movie to Amy's attention because one, I thought it was, you know, a good sort of Halloween flick with the sort of a zombie overtone to it. But also, I just okay like amy said this season we're trying to bring movies to talk about that either we think are underrated they didn't do well at the box office so they got a bad score but we thought were pretty good or movies that we think will enjoy even though they were rated pretty badly so i saw this movie years ago and i you know spoilers alert for how i feel about this movie but i loved it (laughs) Um, But it did so badly. So I wanted to to talk about this on our Bad Movie podcast and shed a little light on it for people that haven't seen this movie.
1: Yeah, and you've also seen uh, the original Pride and Prejudice movie. or Have you read it also or just seen the movie? No,
0: I want to read it, but I, I don't know how well I'd do with that sort of old Victorian <laughs> yeah. talk, how well I'd be able to get through that kind of book. Um, But I have seen... When I say the original, there's been so many Pride and Prejudice movies, but I've seen the the main ones that you talk about. I think the 1995 version and the 2005, if I'm getting those years right. And, you know, there's been a whole bunch of other spinoffs and and stuff that, you know, there's been other movies that people know about more that are based off Pride and Prejudice that I don't like as much. Um, Mm
1: -hmm. Hot take. Okay, we're coming in spitting some hot tanks already. Are we going to name drop? um, Yeah, I'm going to name drop one
0: that I think deserves to be lower rated than this movie. I'm going to say it. Don't know how people feel about this, but Bridget Jones's... Oh, that's a hard name to say. Bridget <laughs> Jones's Diary was not good. I, oh my I,
1: God. I think I've seen the first two. I think there are three. Um, I did not know that they were based on Pride and Prejudice. Do
0: you know what? Me either. <laughs> so, <laughs> here's my backstory to all this is... um. Oh, okay. One of the reasons why I love specifically this movie Pride and Prejudice and Zombies so much is because this is the movie that got me into Pride and Prejudice in the first oh, place. Interesting. Like as a teenager, I was that kind of like ugh. and I'm so it was in my like gross teenage phases where I'm like I'm not into anything girly. I like only sci-fi and action in there. Um so I hated like romance movies and whatever and that was like my whole personality. It was very I'm so glad I moved on from that. (laughs) But so I watched this movie because I did and still do love zombie movies. They're just always a lot of fun, regardless of how much they make sense. So I love zombie movies. So I was like, there's this new zombie movie coming out. I want to watch it. And I watched this and I loved it. And I was like, well, now I'm kind of invested in this plot. I kind of want to see what the original source material was. So I went back and I watched the 2005, I think, Pride and Prejudice. And I was like, wait a minute. This is a good story. This is a good movie, actually. (laughs) And I loved it. And then I started going down like a rabbit hole of other kind of Regency era (laughs) romance movies and everything like uh, Little Women and Emma and uh, anything kind of like that. And I kind of fell in love with the genre because of this movie. So yeah, it kind of holds like a little special place in my heart for that. Damn.
1: So I just as a little backstory, I have seen parts of the I think it's 2005 Karen Knightley, uh, Pride and Prejudice. I don't think I've seen the whole thing. Um, I haven't read the books like the books. I haven't read the book. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I don't have a lot of background with Pride and Prejudice. But coming out of this movie, I feel like I know everything there is to know about Pride and Prejudice. It, it's in the title. It's a Pride and Prejudice remake, uh, retelling. And if you don't want to maybe read the book or you're you're not sure about it and you want something with zombies in it, you know, this is a, a good choice because you get the Pride and Prejudice, uh, but you also get some, some zombies, which who doesn't love zombies? Yeah, that's
0: OK. That's really good because I kind of It's been a while since I've seen this for the first time and I forget sort of what my initial impressions were in terms of like how much I understood the (laughs) plot when I first watched it. So I was wondering how you felt not kind of knowing the original Pride and Prejudice because I'm watching this now (laughs) because like I said, I watched this movie and then I was like, oh, now I'll watch the original Pride and Prejudice and now I'm going back to this movie having the knowledge of what Pride and Prejudice, the original, is about. So I feel like I have, like, a better grasp of it now. So I was wondering what your take was just sort of getting the plot off of this movie.
1: Honestly, I feel like I watched Pride and Prejudice. like, Like, you, you know, because yeah. there are elements, and we'll talk about this a little bit more, but it feels like mostly, like, it's 70%... Pride and Prejudice, and then maybe like 30% Zombies. I feel like they maybe could have done a little bit more with the zombies, but maybe that's just because I came into this thinking that it would be some kind of, and it is a comedy, but I thought it was going to be kind of like an over-the-top, um, you know the movie Vampires Suck, which is based <laughs> yeah. on Twilight? I thought it was going to be like a very over-the-top, asylum-like comedy, and it's not. So when I came into this movie, I had different expectations than what it actually was, which is just Pride and Prejudice. So I think my rating might be a little lower than yours at the end. But that's only because of my own preconceptions of, of what this movie would be. But it is a good Pride and Prejudice retelling.
0: Yeah, it like mad is. So this movie is based on a parody book of the original Pride and Prejudice Jane Austen book by Seth Graham Smith. And I didn't know this was a book before. I may have to go back and read the Pride and Prejudice and Zombies book. <laughs> but um, I went into like a little bit of a deep dive and I found out that there's like a whole bunch of other parody stories like this that <laughs> yeah, I oh really really hope they turn into movies later I don't know if yeah, you saw well, this too Amy it sounds like you did but
1: like yeah I, I was gonna say one of them is Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter which yes. already is a movie um yes. maybe a movie that we will do one day on this podcast because I don't think that got very good reviews either Perfect. but yeah there <laughs> are I think the Pride and Prejudice and Zombies book has a prequel and a sequel oh my god. um in addition to all the ones that you were talking about, which is like Sense and Sensibility and Sea Monsters, yes! <laughs> um, of course, Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, um, The yeah. Mummy of Monte Cristo, oh my God, a lot so of. Dead. You know, they're just taking all these public domain characters, because ah. you can do, you know, whatever you like with them, and reimagining them with all these different monsters. And it's kind of yes. like, it feels like. Do you remember on our Mummy episode, uh, the Mummy with Tom Cruise, we talked about how they wanted to do like a whole universe, like kind of like an MCU, but for old monster characters like the Mummy characters, the Bride of Frankenstein, the creature from the Black Lagoon. So so this series kind of feels like its own little monster universe. Um, I don't think they're related, but it has the same kind of vibe as that
0: yeah and you know what i would love to see that i would love to see like a sequel to this movie where they have like little women and werewolves and android (laughs) karenina coming in (laughs) like that's so i love that
1: idea i love how they're all like classic uh books and then there's abraham lincoln who was mm, a real dude (laughs) just a real person
0: (laughs) true Yeah, um, George Washington and Giants. Like, you could just do Ooh that. My with any God. God. Hang on. First. This is very good. You could just
1: take, like, any character from history and just. <laughs>
0: add <a> super- <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hamilton, but with vampires. Well, <laughs> well. Yeah. Like a you know, musical, already- but, like, there's also vampires. <laughs> <laughs> what I love about <laughs> Abraham
0: Lincoln Vampire Hunter is all the other ones have some kind of uh alliteration to the name you know like uh <laughs> sense and sensibility and sea monsters little women and werewolves and then we've just got abraham lincoln colon vampire hunter yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're so to the point
1: <laughs> maybe they could have done like abraham lincoln and Loch Ness monster um yes. i can't think of any a animals any a creatures they could have done abraham lincoln and
0: Vampire Hunters, to add a little, oh, a, little yeah. a spice
1: to the name. That That is good. That is That's good. good. <laughs> <laughs> but for this movie, if none of you have heard of this movie, I do have a little summary here from IMDb. And it says, Five sisters in 19th century England must cope with the pressures to marry while protecting themselves from a growing population of zombies. So the first part of that summary is uh, normal Pride and Prejudice and then they just you know sprinkle in a little bit of zombie in in there
0: yeah you know what okay before I watched this movie for the first time I didn't know the plot of Pride and Prejudice but I was expecting this to be really bad both based on the atrocious reviews that this movie got but also just because that plot of like Pride and Prejudice but there's zombies sprinkled in sounds so dumb But you know what? They did such a good job of integrating the zombies into this plot. Gotta say, very well done.
1: Yeah. And you know what? When you're dealing with zombies, much like bad movies, you're going to need a drink to get through it. So we have a little drink here. Usually for a Halloween episode, I would try to find a Halloween-themed drink. But because this is so heavily... Inspired by Pride and Prejudice, I did find instead a Pride and Prejudice themed drink. Oh. Now, this recipe I'm getting from Food52.com. That's Food52.com. Um, it's called the Mister Darcy, um, mm-hmm. as we know, because Mister Darcy is one of the probably one of the most famous literary characters. So, for the Mr. Darcy, you are going to need 4.5 ounces of Earl Grey tea, chilled, 3 ounces of vodka, 1.5 ounces of elderflower syrup, and half a lemon squeezed, plus the rind for garnish. So, what you have to do is put ice, your Earl Grey tea, vodka, elderflower syrup, and lemon juice into a cocktail shaker and shake well until combined. Um, And then you strain into a glass over ice and garnish with the lemon rind. And that's your Mr. Darcy.
0: Oh my gosh, that's a perfect drink for this. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can add some red food coloring, make it look like (gasps) blood for the zombie aspect. And of course, to go along with that drink, we have to uh, give you a drinking game to make this movie more enjoyable. Although this movie is very enjoyable, I have to say. Um, We're going to (laughs) go... Back and forth between our points. My first one of which is Drink Every Time Darcy Uses Flies to Check If Someone Is a Zombie.
1: Okay, this is a very good start. Um, I have Every Time Someone Kills a Zombie. And if you do this one, you might maybe uh, want to only do this one because <laughs> this is a zombie movie. It happens a lot.
0: That's good. Um, I have Every Time Someone Proposes.
1: I have every time someone dances at a party. Oh,
0: good. Okay, my last one is every time Lizzie, the main character, fights someone.
1: Oh, this is good. Uh, my last one is every time Lizzie chases her sisters.
0: <laughs> That's good. <laughs> um okay so you can take those points pick your favorites drink along either to the movie if you're going to watch it or to our podcast really it is up to you we'll try to yellow drink when these things happen but we do forget literally every episode (laughs) so in the meantime we are going to be breaking down this movie scene by scene talking about our thoughts about it if you do want to watch this movie we are going to be getting into spoiler territory basically now so you can leave watch it yourself come back listen to our thoughts But if not, we're going to get into it right now.
1: Yeah, and you know, like we said, this is based on Pride and Prejudice. So if you're planning on reading Pride and Prejudice and you don't want to get spoiled for that either, you will get spoiled for that. Because this is, (laughs) once again, I cannot stress this enough, a Pride and Prejudice retelling if you did not get that from the title.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So we start off this movie with a just, I mean, beautifully... Done beautifully animated in this like kind of paper puppetry style. We get a backstory to kind of give us a little bit of insight into the world and start some world building on this version of Regency England, which is just done so well. A, the animation is gorgeous. The way that they do it, it's like this perfect mix of like kind of old timey paper puppets, but it's got like a little bit of horror in it. Ah, it's gorgeous and they call back to it every once in a while whenever the characters have to go somewhere they cut to a map uh that looks kind of similar to this so they keep it up throughout the film which i really liked but basically the backstory of this version of *Pride and prejudice is that a zombie plague came over from europe and started you know getting the the good people of england so they built a grand barrier wall around london circling london and also, they dug out this, like, massive gorge surrounding that to doubly keep it safe. And between the two is what they call the in-between, which is basically, like, no man's land, where no one is supposed to go because it's filled with zombies. And there's only one bridge across the gorge called Hingham Bridge, because uh, they, they want to control how the, the zombies can get in or not. Um, so, basically, people started studying martial arts to protect themselves— they studied in Japan for rich people and in China for not as rich people. And so that sort of sets up why all the characters know martial arts and fighting and sword techniques and everything. And I, I just like, you can tell immediately in this movie how much thought they put into the world. It wasn't just like, it's Pride and Prejudice, but a zombie attack. You know what I mean? Like, they, you, yeah, you can tell immediately that they put thought into, realistically, how this would happen and and it fits with the, the time era. It's just so well done.
1: Yeah, and I do like that they also, in this little pop-up book style explanation, um, they also go over the lore of the zombies, because I think every movie kind of has their own lore. And the lore that they use in this is that when you get bitten by a zombie, you don't fully transform into a zombie unless you get your first taste of human flesh. So before that, you're just like a rotting corpse person, but you're still, you know, you still got some thought left in you. You're not like fully uh, a mindless creature. So that comes up later as well. And I do like that they explained the lore and I like the lore itself. I think it was was pretty good. Yeah. And then we get into the
0: actual story with our our main leads i love we start off with that classic line it is a truth universally acknowledged um but of course they change it to be like that a zombie in possession of brains must be in search of more brains <laughs> <laughs> i don't know man i love it so we could introduced first to darcy which, if you don't know the story of the original Pride and Prejudice, Darcy is our main love interest. Um, and we'll, we'll try to explain it a little bit, too, if you don't know the, the original story. Because um, I think this movie kind of stands on its own, that you don't have to know the original Pride and Prejudice to understand this, but just in case. So, Darcy is a colonel in this world... He's, you know, one of the people off in the war fighting the zombies and everything because there's this big human zombie war going on. And he is going around killing people, being suspected of zombies. So we see him in this opening scene at Netherfeld, which is, you know, one of the main locations uh, in this place. But uh, in the beginning of this movie, Netherfeld is not really overrun by zombies but like there's a there's a bunch of people in this house they uh, are like playing cards and having fun and darcy is sent over because someone is suspected of being a zombie and they introduce this great sort of motif that keeps popping up later where darcy has a vial of flies that he releases into the air (laughs) And whoever the flies land on is a zombie because the flies can detect dead flesh. Um, So (laughs) we start off immediately with some, like, great gore and action where he has to kill this zombie. And then he finds out there's a second zombie in the house. He has to go kill them. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's a killer. Oh, it's a killer opening scene. If I may, I'll be here all week.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he just carries a vial of flies in his pocket. <laughs> I was wondering how how he refills the vial whether he there is a scene later where elizabeth is in the same room as darcy when he's releasing his flies and she just like fucking karate kid reaches out and grabs them out of thin air i was like does darcy do that and put them back in his little vial (laughs) that he carries around in his pocket or does he have to like go and like put some fruit out and and until the flies come to it you know like they did explain the lore very well, but sometimes it's the secondary lore that you gotta think about.
0: Damn, that is a solid point. I guess he just spends all his free time out in the in the fields, just like around you know, like horse manure and just like <laughs> catching flies between his four fingers, and
1: putting them There's in his little smells jar. Smells like shit all the time. Like they don't, they don't tell you this in Pride and Prejudice. You think he smells very good because he's he's pretty rich. Um, they don't tell you he just smells like shit. he just smells like manure all the time. Yeah. Um, Elizabeth is like, mm, he is a stinky boy. <laughs> um, don't know if I want this stinky boy, you know he rich. But he stank. But
0: he stank. He stank so much, my guy. That's the reason (laughs) why Elizabeth throughout this movie and in the original Pride and Prejudice, like Amy said, a lot of people don't mention this. When you're reading the original book, a lot of things are supposed to be inferred. You know, show, don't tell. They're not going to tell you that Darcy stinks. Stinks so bad like (laughs) horse manure. But, you know, it is supposed to be implied that he just spends all this time around, you know, rotting fruit and stuff. So he's just like a stinky boy and that's why elizabeth doesn't like him that is implied
1: yeah you know that old saying you catch more flies with rotting fruit and cow shit <laughs> and gotta be a stinky boy if you want to catch them flies yeah. um yeah you catch you catch more flies that that's the whole saying um we all know it we all love it it's all true so yeah he's just a he's just a stinker he's just a little stinker everyone else studied uh, martial arts in like
0: japan and china and he studied them in like Um, sewers, you know, just
1: (laughs) (laughs) He learned from the Ninja Turtle School uh, (laughs) ninja tricks. Yeah. Michelangelo
0: was uh, uh, offering (laughs) him some
1: of his rotting pizza, and that's where he got the flies from! That's where he got the flies from. You know what, it's okay that he's a stinker, though, because this town is overrun with zombies. Rotting flesh zombies, and he is a notorious zombie killer, so they're like, mmm... Are you stinky because you were out killing zombies all day? He's like, "Mm, yeah, sure. (laughs) Let's go with that. (laughs) So then we get introduced to our
0: other main uh, uh, love interest, main character. We get introduced to the Bennett family, which is made up of five sisters. Elizabeth is our main lead. Our secondary lead is her sister, Jane. um, And we also have her parents and her other sisters. They are also the main characters of the original Pride and Prejudice if that wasn't obvious and they're kind of like mm, poor (laughs) like they're not poor poor but they're like like middle poor so their mom wants them (laughs) to marry well so they you know don't die poor so they all go to a ball to find suitors and jane who's the prettiest sister and also the one that elizabeth is closest to catches the eye of one mr bingley who's the hot new guy who moved into that old zombie infested house lizzie though is not interested in suitors or getting married or anything right now she is just sort of I don't know, turned off by the idea. She's, like, not into it. She's like, I'm into myself, man. I don't need no man. We love an independent woman. We do. Yes. I, okay, Elizabeth is such a good character. I In this movie, in the original Pride and Prejudice, she's, like, just what a feminist icon. <laughs> mm-hmm. She does, like basically immediately (laughs) though after saying that maybe not interested but like she's intrigued by mr darcy who is also at this ball and also who happens to be mr bingley's best friend and he's also not really interested in romance either he's kind of looking around the ball and he's like "Eh, no one here is really for me he also like straight up insults elizabeth maybe that should be another point to the drinking game drink every time (laughs) mr darcy just insults elizabeth
1: (laughs) First of all, this this garbage man, this mm-hmm. man that smells like stinky garbage, stinky-ass boy, comes up and insults her in her face. You know what? If I was Lizzie, I wouldn't want a man either. If that happened to me. All Get right. out of here, sewer rat. <laughs> <laughs> Leonardo-looking ass. Yeah. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> suddenly, though, we don't have much time to sort of focus on the dance because zombies attack the dance, of course. You uh, can't forget that this is a... Zombie movie. <laughs> and uh, Elizabeth has to, to fight them off. And Mr. Darcy becomes intrigued by her now after he sees her fight. But because he insulted her, Lizzie is like super bitter and uh, straight up hates him now. So the rest of the movie is basically uh, Mr. Darcy pining over Elizabeth and her just turning him down at like every possible moment.
1: <laughs> There's also when they're fighting zombies at this ball. All of the Bennett sisters have this slow-mo fighting, sword fighting scene. I will say I did like the the instrumental music, the score for this movie. I do think that this scene could have been just just a notch better if they did Shrek style if they just played a pop song. Just play Holding Out for a Hero. and slow-mo fighting with their swords i do think that would have made this better then again i did expect this to be a full-on over-the-top comedy it, you know okay it's interesting that you say that
0: because years ago watching the trailer before watching this movie and knowing anything about Pride and prejudice i expected the opposite i expected it to be like a full serious dark movie and then you watch it and then it's it's You know, it's a lot like the original Pride and Prejudice. It's got like a bunch of sort of quippy humor in it, which I was not expecting. So it's interesting that we both expected different, like opposite things.
1: Mm. Yeah, I didn't see the trailer or anything uh, going into the movie. So maybe that's why I got sort of the wrong impression, I guess. But yeah, if I were and we do have a segment at the end about what we would improve. But if I were to improve the scene, I would play that song from Shrek. (laughs)
0: <laughs> is a very good addition. I have to say, the name Pride and Prejudice and Zombies is very akin to, like, Tsunami and yeah. uh, Sharknado. It's got that kind of, like, just bizarreness to it that you are expecting a bit of a comedy. So I get that.
1: Yeah, I was fully expecting this to be produced by the Asylum. And then when it wasn't, sadly disappointed, because uh, we do love Asylum movies on here. Yeah, if you have no previous ideas about what it might be going into it, I think you would really like it if you like Pride and Prejudice. And zombies.
0: (laughs) 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 And zombies, naturally. So the next day, Bingley invites Jane over for tea. So she sets off to his mansion. But partway there, she runs into a couple zombies that she has to fight off. And she gets uh, injured. And also, you know, it starts to rain and storm and everything. So when she gets there... Bingley has to sort of take care of her. And when Lizzie gets word, naturally she rushes over to go check on her favorite sister. And because Jane was like, she's kind of sick at this point. She's got like a little bit of a fever and we don't really know whether it's just kind of a flu from the rain or if she got bitten by a zombie at this point. So Darcy wants to check. So he does his little fly trick again to see if she was bitten. And this is where Lizzie, uh, Darcy like lets all these flies into the air and Lizzie just does this like little <laughs> Kung Fu move where she's like plucking them out.
1: for the- long <laughs> karate kid. Just plucking them out of the air. And then she also has to stay overnight at the Bingley house because she wants to keep an eye on Jane. Mm -hmm. So there's also this scene where everyone else at the Bingley house, so Mr. Bingley, I think his sister is there, Mr. Darcy's there, all of them are super rich and they studied their martial arts in Japan And the Bennett family is, you know, not as uh, wealthy as them. So they studied in China. And there's this kind of like snobby conversation about, oh, you only studied in China? (laughs) We studied in Japan. Everyone in this movie like studied um, in either Japan or China. And yet they use guns like half the time. So I'm like, doesn't matter that much really, guys? Mm, Solid point, actually. (laughs) Um, did you watch this movie with subtitles? Just question. I did, I think. I watched it on Amazon Prime. I think I did. Okay,
0: so did you get the subtitles for what she was saying in Chinese? Or was it just like speaking Chinese?
1: <laughs> I think it was just like speaking Chinese. So okay. if there was a little... I I got the sense that she was like roasting them in Chinese. She was. Um, okay. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you find a version where they have this
0: english subtitles over top basically everyone mr darcy bingley's sister mainly bingley's a nice dude he doesn't insult people um but basically everyone in the room is like just roasting elizabeth for being like beneath them because they all studied in japan and she's studied in china which is like for poor people (laughs) according to this (laughs) so um basically Uh, she spins it back around on them at the end where she picks up this book, which is The Art of War. And Darcy's talking about like, yeah, I know so much about war because I'm in the war and I read this book, The Art of War. And then in Chinese, she's like, well, did you read it in its original Wu dialect? And he's like, no. And she's like, then you've never read The Art of War. And she like turns it back around on him in the end. It's only, I think, that one scene that has like, subtitles that you need but anyway
1: yeah okay interesting this whole conversation was very interesting also at at one point Darcy says I think about his sister or Bingley's sister someone's sister um he says this quote not only is she a master of the female arts but (laughs) the deadly as well I'm like hmm pray tell Mr. Darcy what are lay female arts what are the female arts Mm-hmm. does he um, mean like you know like flirting with people like what are the female arts oh, are meant- there some martial arts I should know as a female <laughs> <laughs> what does this mean
0: he did mean like what the women were doing in the original Regency era like sewing and playing piano and oh, okay. stuff That's like that right. but yeah
1: <laughs> Ooh, <all right>. throwing tampons <laughs> <laughs> like putting in a menstrual cup yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, that is an art or that so I hear. but yes yeah they have a whole back and forth um do they're you know they're kind of insulting each other but they got this like tension underneath it do you know what I like about this scene is
0: that and it's such kind of like a quick gloss over scene but I think it's it's good that they kept it in because in the original Pride and Prejudice Darcy, the reason why he's, or one of the reasons why he starts to, like, form an interest towards her is because of her intelligence and wit and quippiness and just, I don't know, she's so, like, quick-minded and quick with words and everything, whereas in this movie, he becomes interested in her for her fighting skills, so a lot of the back and forth between Darcy and Elizabeth in this movie has to do with, you know, them fighting or them fighting zombies together, and this was one of the few scenes where it's more like the original, where she's overpowering him with her words, which I like that they still kept that aspect in.
1: Yeah. Okay. This is true, um, and I was just going to mention right after this, when uh, Lizzie is, you know, sleeping over at the Bingley house, she looks outside and she sees Mister Darcy practicing his sword fighting, Japanese style, <laughs> um, and she's like, "Ooh, la la." And so she's can tell she's a little interested in in darcy ah, the thing is now i've seen i after i watched this movie i went back and i watched like the first half quarter of the Kira knightley pride and prejudice to you know just see how they compared and the thing about this pride and prejudice is i felt like i don't know if maybe it's because of the zombie aspect and like the more of the comedy aspect i don't know but I feel like this Darcy in this movie, straight up like an asshole. Like in the Kara Knightley version, I did get. Oh, they have like this back and forth where they're kind of equals, um, with wit, and you know they're both very sharp tongued. Okay, I get it. I see. I see the appeal here. In this version, Darcy's just like straight up insulting her a lot of the time in a way that is more mean than challenging. If that makes sense. So I felt like he was more of an asshole in this movie. And I didn't quite like him as much. He didn't have the underlying charm, I don't feel, as the actor in the Kira Knightley version. Or maybe it was the script. But yeah, I felt like he was just like an asshole. And I wasn't rooting for them as much as I was in the Kira Knightley version. Because I was like, "Mm, Mm. he's a sewer rat, stinks like shit. And also he's (laughs) mean. You can do better
0: mr splinter little rat (laughs) i get that i mean i don't the one from keira knightley is my favorite version so i don't know if anyone can beat him but i get that i think it might have to do a little bit with the actor i forget his name but the dude from the keira knightley version and even like colin firth from the 90s version like those two actors have I don't, like, as kind of mean as some of the stuff that they say is, they just have this, like, puppy dog face that just, like, makes you want to root for them, whereas this guy is very kind of, like, I don't know, brooding and hard-faced and everything, where a lot of the things kind of seem to come across a lot more harsh, so I get that. I also, though, weirdly for me, don't mind it, because this setting is also more intense. Like, they're in a world... That, you know, in the original Pride and Prejudice, if Kira Knightley had like in uh, one scene in this movie, Lizzie like throws a book at Mr. Darcy. If she had done that in the real Regency era, that would have been like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> you know, scandalous. Yeah. But in this movie, like, it's a world where people are like sword fighting and like cutting people's heads off on the daily. So I almost don't mind that their quipping was you know, more intense because I feel like
1: people in general would be more on edge. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, okay. You're completely right about that. I think, you know, when you were saying, you know, Colin Firth and the actor from the Keira Knightley version are very puppy dog-like, I think what I like about those versions is that they are very, in their actions, they're not as, let's say, tough and violent Mm -hmm. as this Darcy has to be because of the world and i do like that those versions are softer in a way because this version you're right is very tough we know he can like kick someone's skull off we know so him being super uber like u- uber violent and also mm-hmm. very mean is you know maybe not the combination for me as a very soft person but yeah you're completely right in in this world it's kind of necessary but for me it's just like damn dude calm Mm. down Mm. so yeah but yeah it does make sense i get it maybe it's just because i
0: love the like enemies to lovers (laughs) trope whereas i know you like
1: more of like a friends to lovers yeah Um, you know what that that might be it because i find it very hard when two people don't like each other at first. To root for them. And I know this is like a very... One of the most well-known enemies to lovers stories. But still, in this version, I was like, I don't see it. Mm. So yeah, I I don't think this kind of story, these tropes are for me. So, you know, take my opinion with a grain of salt. If you do like those kinds of things, you might really like this movie.
0: You know what, too, is Darcy as a character is supposed to be... I get what you mean, that this version is a lot more kind of explicit, both in terms of like its rating and also just like uh, w- with its dialogue and how sort of enemies Elizabeth and Darcy start off as versus like in the original Darcy, his character is supposed to be like. You see him originally in the first kind of maybe third of the movie. He comes across as very. Proud (laughs) and Uh (laughs) prejudiced, and you know, very kind of stoic and rude and pompous. But in reality, he's just like really socially awkward. Like that's his character—is he's just like a really awkward dude that doesn't know how to express his emotions. One of my favorite scenes from the two thousand version or two thousands version is near the end of the movie where Mister Darcy has to. He's like, well, I just, like, don't know how to talk to people. And she's like, well, maybe you should practice. So he comes to her room <laughs> later in the, like, it's the most awkward scene in the movie. But that's why I love it is he just, like, bursts into her room and he's just like, um, hello, how are you today? And it's like, <laughs> it's the, like, most adorably awkward dialogue where you can tell he's, like, trying to break out of his shell to, you know, sort of just like appeal to her more and they didn't do that in this movie which i get because it's like a different era but yeah it was definitely a different darcy
1: yeah yeah okay he is like i said about him being soft he's soft in a way that's when he's mean in the other versions he's mean because he's guarded not because he's mean yeah um if that makes sense in this one he's mean because he's mean or that's the sense that i get in the others he's mean because he's insecure or he's you know hiding a part of himself because he's afraid to talk to people or something like that. that's a sense i get from the other darcy this darcy is just like mm, you're a piece of shit <laughs> your fighting skills <laughs> are whack because you studied in china poor ass like i'm like okay calm down bitch, bitch. <laughs> first of all that's fake so fan because he didn't like her at first <laughs> Until he learned that she uh, is actually good with sword. I'm like, hey, fake fan. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. There's something about this version that I'm just like not about. Yeah, I get that.
0: He's definitely more intense here. So Elizabeth, obviously mad not into that right now. She's like super hates him. So she takes Jane home from their house. She just like wants to get out of there as fast as possible, and it's okay because it turns out Jane just had a flu. She was not bitten, and then oh, here we go, boys! This is my favorite part of any Pride and Prejudice movie, <laughs> where Mr. Collins arrives at the Bennett house. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Collins is my favorite, <laughs> or what? Oh. I don't know if he's my favorite character, but he's just (laughs) so
1: funny. This Mr. Collins is played uh, by Matt Smith, which, you know, we love. Uh, Of Doctor Who fame,
0: who he just he does an amazing job. Always. Like, he nails the, like, (laughs) nerdy, little creepy awkwardness of the character. He nails it! It's so good.
1: Um, Yeah, you know what? I was thinking that the acting would be more like his acting in this. Because I I won't say he was, like, over the top, but he was very... outwardly comedic yes. like he was comedic in his dialogue but also in his body language and i thought that the other characters were going to be like that but he did such a good job oh, so as good. mr collins he you know what he has that kind of same
0: awkwardness in doctor who but you know it works for the character it's so good basically yeah. you don't know anything about the original pride and prejudice mr collins is the bennett's cousin Because a big part of the original story is that the mom is trying to find suitors for all her daughters so they can, like, you know, have money to live. Because their house and their inheritance and anything can only go to the male heir in their family. And because all five of her daughters are girls, the first male heir is their cousin, Mr. Collins. So he is here now to pick one of them to marry. And he's just, he has the best piece of dialogue in this movie. I almost wonder if some of them were ad like, we're not scripted, because he just, like, I don't know, it's so natural <laughs> the way that he talks. It's so good. Of course, he keeps talking about his patron, Lady Catherine de Boer, who in this world is, like, the most revered warrior in all of London, who also happens to be Darcy's aunt. So, Mr. Collins, <laughs> so good. He immediately takes a liking to Jane, and he proposes to Jane, like, right on the spot. Um, and then, the mom, Mama Bennett, is like, mm, actually, she's taken. So Mr. Collins is like, mm, I guess I'll take Elizabeth then as second choice.
1: <laughs> Once again, a fake fan. Fake um, yeah. And then, like, two days later, he proposes to Elizabeth. And can I just share this quote? I think it's from the book ish, because I did get to the part in the Kara Knightley version, where Mr. Collins also says this. Matt Smith says it in such a funny way. Um, so he's proposing to Liz. He's like, allow me to assure you in the most animated language of the violence, the sheer violence of my affections. And <laughs> dude, calm down.
0: Imagine someone proposed to you. And they were like,
1: I'm so violent right now. Oh, man.
0: Oh, my God. I love Mr. (laughs)
1: Collins. Yeah. Like, first of all, where were his violent affections when he wanted to marry Jane like two days ago?
0: Yeah. (laughs) So now that Mr. Collins is like with Elizabeth, they all like go out into town uh, to get some new clothes to like go do whatever. And they run into some soldiers which is where we meet Lieutenant Wickham. If you know the original story, you know that Wickham isn't his... I don't want to spoil anything, but I hate Wickham. <laughs> so, <laughs>
1: I know, because you use that little evil gremlin voice. You
0: tell by my voice. <laughs> so they meet this uh, soldier called Wickham, who seems to hate Darcy. And when Liz asks him about it, he says get this like little piece of backstory. Wickham says that he grew up with Darcy, and his family used to manage the Darcy's estates, and Darcy's dad even like treated him like a second son. Um, he was going to give his inheritance to Wickham. But when uh, Papa Darcy died, Mr. Darcy, the one that we know from this movie, Elizabeth's love, <laughs> Mr. Darcy, gave it away to someone else instead. So glad we started using first names in the in modern times. Because, man, it's so confusing to be like Mr. Darcy and Mr. Darcy.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And there's even like a scene um, in this movie and in the uh, Keira Knightley version where the butler dude has to introduce everyone as they come into the house. And when all the Bennett sisters and the Bennett mom come into the house, he's like, oh, I have to present Mrs. Bennett, a Miss Bennett, Miss Bennett. Miss Bennett and Miss Bennett. <laughs> and it's like,
0: okay, so thanks. <laughs> Honestly, I love that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, in order to lift up everyone's spirits, Bingley decides to hold another ball at his mansion. So, at the ball, Darcy, who's very infatuated with Liz at this point, he starts making moves on Liz, even though, you know, Mr. Collins at the same time is also trying to make moves on Liz, but Liz keeps like running away from him. <laughs> um, And Liz also invited Mr. Wickham to this ball. So, damn, girl just got like a, you know, she's like the the Pied Piper out here with all these men following her. So Mr. Darcy is like pining over Liz. He's like making moves on her. But he overhears her mom at the ball talking about how great it's going to be for Jane, Liz's sister, when she marries Bingley because he's rich and everything. Because the mom is very sort of. You know, that's all she really cares about is, like, her daughter's marrying Rich. So Darcy, understandably, gets, like, super mad for his friend. And he convinces Bingley to stop seeing Jane and to come away with him to his home to marry his sister instead. Um, And if that didn't suck enough, like we said before, Mr. Collins later proposes to Lizzie and she gets so mad and flustered about it (laughs) that she storms off into the woods where she runs into Wickham again. And he's like, I want to show you something. And he takes her across that one bridge that leads into no man's land to this secret rundown church full of zombies. But they're like intelligent zombies. They think and they speak. It's been alluded to a bunch uh, throughout the movie so far where some zombies have like pleaded for help and set intelligent traps and seem to not realize they were zombies and everything. So... Liz is kind of like taken aback at this point. She's like, "Why? why how, what's going on? These zombies are like intelligent. They're like speaking and they just like seem like normal people, except, you know, half of their faces melting off. <laughs> um, so Wickham explains that it's because they eat pigs brains instead of human brains. So they never fully transformed into the ravenous zombies that they all know. So he has this whole plan where he wants to show them to the world in order to end the, the zombie human war going on right now.
1: So we know that this Mr. Wickham is a zombie apologist, is a zombie sympathizer. Yeah. And at this point, you're like, Mm, I wonder why. What a twist. <laughs> what a <laughs> I, wonder, twist. <laughs> I wonder why he could be a zombie sympathizer and know all these zombie hot spots <laughs> and all these zombie little churches zombie nightclubs zombie <laughs> traps you know all the zombie you know all the where the zombies go I wonder why he knows that guess what we find out later
0: <laughs> <laughs> we, we'll let you in <laughs> so when Elizabeth returns it turns out Mr. Collins proposed to her best friend after he got rejected by Lizzie. <laughs> um, so her best friend, Charlotte, is like, mm, hey, girl, it's been a while. So um, I'm engaged to Mr. Collins now. Uh, remember your ex-fiancé? <laughs> and also um, your
1: cousin. And also
0: your cousin. So Charlotte now needs to go with Mr. Collins to go see Mr. Collins's patron, Lady Catherine De Burr, who remember, is also Darcy's aunt. But they need a chaperone. So Charlotte is like, Liz, please come with us. Um, and Liz is like, I mad, don't want to go, see the guy that insulted me with the guy that I turned down his proposal, but she <laughs> goes anyway. <laughs> so they all go to Darcy's home, which is where Lady Catherine is. And Liz also brings Wickham to propose his zombie slash human uh idea. He wants to have, like, a treaty or whatever. He wants money, basically. Uh, Wickham wants to talk to Lady Catherine to get money to, I don't know, fund his zombie effort or whatever. Um, (laughs) But both Lady Catherine and Darcy shut him down basically immediately. And it's clear that they still have a bunch of beef. So Lizzie stays over. And the next day, Mr. Darcy comes to find her. And we get... uh, one of my favorite interpretations of the scene, maybe ever. Um, if you know the original Front and Prejudice, you know what I'm talking about. That's right. The confession scene. Oh, we get the scene where Mr. Darcy, he's been pining over Liz this whole movie. And now he finally breaks down and tells her how he feels to her and proposes to her kind of out of nowhere naturally he starts by insulting her and her family (laughs) he's like you're ugly you're poor your sister's a gold digger you want to marry me (laughs) it's like that it's like that dr phil quote you're ugly you're poor give me two hundred (laughs) dollars
1: literally oh my god yeah it was very out of the blue i was like girl don't do it and she didn't. So I'm like, oh, thank God. So yeah. she's like, um, no, bitch. And then they have this, like, fucking fight scene. Um, they take their swords out. Yes. It gets kind of sexy in the middle of it. are undoing each other's buttons uh, <laughs> with their with their little sword.
0: <laughs> it was, like, a really well done. I don't know. I love this version of the scene. Jill Bureup on YouTube has a fantastic breakdown of this scene flirty fights man they're they're so good but this one was done so well cuz she's like the whole time Mr Darcy is never like straight up attacking her it's always her on the offensive so even though they're fighting each other you know that they're not actually going to hurt each other whatever it was a great scene um we get the the both emotional battle of her feeling betrayed by him and him feeling betrayed by her and also the physical battle of them like fighting it out in the room so good so good.
1: Yeah, I will say, if ever time for another pop song uh, from the Shrek soundtrack, it <laughs> oh would be now.
0: Which song would you choose? Uh,
1: you know what? Let's go with Accidentally in Love. Uh, oh! You know, right? Like one. Yeah, because you oh wouldn't expect God. it for a fight scene, but they are accidentally in love. <gasps> oh
0: my gosh. Mm-hmm. Of course, Lizzie, like, super rejects him. She's like, um... You broke my sister up with the man that she loves and you like really did Wickham dirty. Mad dirty, my dog. So Darcy accepts that she's like mad not into him and he gets like super depressed. But he later writes her a letter explaining his actions to like the two things that she accused him of. With the Jane thing, he's like, yeah, okay, I did break your sister up with Bingley. To be fair, though, it wasn't implied by your mom that Jane was only after Bingley's money. He now knows better, but he was just trying to protect his friend. And as for Wickham, we get the real story here that Wickham clearly lied before to make himself seem better with that backstory. But what actually happened is that no sooner had Darcy's dad said that he would give Wickham some inheritance money, the dad was mysteriously infected with the zombie plague and Darcy was forced to kill him, his own dad. <laughs> but even so, Darcy gave Wickham the money he was owed But uh, Wickham used it up like immediately uh, on like gambling and drinking and stuff. And then he came back and he demanded more and did the same thing. And he came back and he demanded more and he kept doing it until Darcy finally refused, which is bad enough. But then also to add to that, Wickham tried to woo Darcy's sister to try to get her inheritance. But thankfully, Darcy (laughs) stopped that, too.
1: (laughs) Damn, this man is relentless. Relentless. And then after this fight scene between Liz and Darcy and uh, the whole letter and everything, we get another fight scene where Lady Catherine, Darcy's aunt, uh, shows up and just starts fighting her. Brings this big old tough guy, this bodyguard dude, and is like, he's going to get you. And he's she's like, you. what? <laughs> and, and Lady Catherine's like, mm, I heard Darcy propose to you. Did you accept? And she's like, no. No. And Lady Catherine's like, "Mm, still going to fight you, though. (laughs) (laughs) Can you explain this scene to me? Because I didn't get why she was fighting her. I think they just wanted another fight scene.
0: But the... (laughs) Okay, got (laughs) it. (laughs) But basically, Lady Catherine was like... Because Elizabeth is, like, from a poor family. And Lady Catherine is like, um... My nephew is, like, not going to marry you. So, also, he's been promised to her daughter, uh, his... They keep marrying the cousins and stuff.
1: I, I, maybe it was a Regency thing. What's Makes going me on a little here? uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, she was like, "Hey, are you gonna marry my nephew?" And uh, Liz is like, "No." And she's like, mm, "Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna try to kill you." Literally, six this big old tough guy bodyguard dude who's like eight feet tall on Liz, and he's like, "I'm gonna kill you." And Liz is like, mm, "Okay, <laughs> you can try."
0: So she's got to like defend herself. In the end, she she manages to to beat the big guy and earn a little bit of respect, I guess, from Lady Catherine. Yeah, I was like, I really think they just wanted another fight scene in there. But yeah, basically, Lady Catherine just didn't want Liz to marry Mister Darcy. So she's like, "Promise me you won't marry Darcy," and Liz is like, mm, "Not going to do that." Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, Wickham just keeps getting worse, huh? To add on to what we just learned about Wickham from Darcy's letter, in the next scene, Liz returns home to find out that Wickham has run off with Lydia, uh, her younger... I, I can't remember if she's the youngest sister or the second youngest sister, but she's like basically a child, so Wickham's a um, bit of a
1: pedophile, bit of a creep. Yikes! <laughs> Yes, yeah, he's going yes, yes. after her sister also. He's got a thing about people's sisters. Oh my um, god, he does. <laughs> so Liz and Jane go and try to find Lydia and then Darcy and Bingley are also there too. And then Darcy finds her in a cell. Uh, Not a good sign already. And then he's trying to set her free and then he gets confronted by Wickham, who at some point we learn... Mm, What a surprise. Is a zombie. (laughs) Oh, the man advocating for zombie rights. He's like, I'm a zombie apologist. Zombie zombie stan, if you will. Um, I do love me some zombies. Um, He is a zombie. Wow, what a twist. (laughs) Anyway, so he (laughs) tries to get all these zombies to, like, chomp down on Darcy and Lydia, but they manage to escape. Wickham and Darcy get in this big old sword fight. Darcy kills him, and then there's this whole, there's a lot of action at this point. There's this whole thing about they gotta blow up the bridge connecting London to the rest of the world. Uh, So they gotta blow it up, the last bridge, and Liz is riding on horseback down the bridge, and they're like, oh, she's not gonna make it in time, we gotta blow it up anyway, and they blow it up, and she... Uh, makes it across the bridge and something happens darcy is unconscious there's a lot (laughs) going on here darcy's unconscious liz is like oh my god you're unconscious and she kisses him sleeping beauty style snow white style and she says "Mm, by the way i love you (laughs) you're unconscious and probably dying And she's just, like, has this whole confession to his unconscious body. And so at this point, we think he's dead. Surprise, there's ten minutes left in the movie. He's not dead. (laughs) So he proposes again. He's like, by the way, I'm alive. And while I was unconscious... I heard you say all that stuff about being in love with me. How embarrassing for you. By the way, will you marry me? (laughs) And she's like, yeah, I guess so. (laughs) So they are engaged and there's this double wedding. Jane and Bingley, Elizabeth and Darcy. Apparently, now I don't know if you saw this because I didn't see it. I only saw it in the Wikipedia. But apparently there was like an end credit scene. Mm -hmm. Uh, Did you see it? Okay. Okay.
0: Here's the thing. So this is the end of the movie, basically. They get married, everyone has a happily ever after. When I watched this movie originally, when it came out years ago, that was it. That was the end of the movie. They got married, happily ever after. Credits started rolling. I was like, sick. Turn it off. And when I watched it this time, I don't know if it's only on certain versions of the movie. Or if I just needed to stay later in the credits before. But yeah, there is like a weird came out of nowhere end credit scene that I was mad not into. Because I love this movie. But that at end credit scene, that was really weird. Basically, it's at the wedding. Jane and Bingley have gotten married. Elizabeth and Darcy have gotten married. They're all four of them are like walking back down the aisle together, arm in arm. They're all happy. And then they see just like off in the distance, like an army of zombies being led by an undead Wickham just racing towards them. And it like freeze frames on Wickham's face.
1: And then <laughs> it's the
0: black and it ends. It was weird.
1: Yeah, that's weird, because I went back after I saw it on the Wikipedia page that there was an end credit scene, and I looked through all the credits, and I guess it just wasn't on some versions of it, because it wasn't on the version that I watched, which is very strange. Let's pretend that didn't exist. Um, I think there were, while I was looking up this movie, I think there were talks of doing a second movie. So maybe Mm. this is like a setup for a potential second movie. I don't think it ever you know started production or anything like that but there were talks about it so this might have been like the premise for a second movie which is just Wickham comes back he's not actually dead Um, zombies are still out there basically same same premise I hate that
0: (laughs) I am so glad that that scene got cut from most versions of the movie because it just kind of undoes a lot of the end of this movie, right? I hate in general when movies put like a stupid little end credit scene where they're like, what if we made a sequel? And it's, you know, for something like the MCU where they have the money to keep going and you know there's going to be another movie. Yeah, I love a tease for what's coming next. But for a little one-off movie like this, where you know it's not going to get a sequel, it did terrible, the box off it, it, it got bad reviews, like... These movies where they're taking a gamble, I hate when they add little scenes where they're like, uh, huh? huh? uh, a sequel coming at maybe? I hate that, because they never get a sequel, and then you're just left with this weird, unfinished ending, you know what I mean? Because it's like, Wickham died, and they blew up that bridge so that no more zombies could get into London. There's no way in or out now. So it's like, well, where did they... You can't just leave that. You know you're not going to get a sequel. I hated that.
1: Yeah, and uh, if they did do a sequel, it sets it up for literally the exact same movie as we already watched. Wickham's going to be the bad guy. They're going to be up against zombies again. You know, it's nothing different. I don't think it's necessary at all to include uh, an end credit scene unless they're setting up something different than the original movie. If For example, the end credit scene was after the wedding, Darcy goes off into, you know, a room um, by himself and he, he, you know, takes off his shirt or something. And oh, my God, he's got bitten by a zombie. Mm. Um, He's got a zombie bite. That's something different. That's something that we can if there was a second movie, that's something we could expand upon that isn't the same as this movie. Because, you know, the most notorious zombie hunter is suddenly a zombie himself. What's he going to do? But it's, it was like the same thing. And I was like, it's not necessary. Mm, so
0: unnecessary. If they were going to do a sequel to this, I don't know if you know this, Amy. I think you would love this. <laughs> but there is a sequel to Pride and Prejudice. It's not by Jane Austen. It's by a, another British author, P.D. James, who wrote like a, a fan sequel. You know how like... Uh, They have stuff like Jason Bourne, which was written by Robert Ludlum, the first like three books. And then this other dude continued for like 18 books after and he wrote the other stuff. So this dude is like continuing the Pride and Prejudice story, but it's not actually by the original author. And it's called Death Comes to Pemberley. And they did make a movie of it that did decently well. And it's a Pride and Prejudice sequel that is also a murder mystery.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. I love this. First of all, because I just, I don't know if you've seen my Goodreads lately, Ashley. I just (gasps) finished the collection of P.D. James stories, and they're very good. So yeah, check out the movie. But yes, if they did do a Pride and Prejudice and Zombies sequel, I would love to see this like locked room murder mystery style where it's like, who in this house bit Mr. Darcy? (gasps) You know, we got to figure it out, you know? (laughs) So I think that would have been so
0: good. Yes! If that end credit scene was like, they're having like a party after the wedding or whatever, and then someone turns up dead, and they have to figure out who it is. Or someone has a zombie bite, and they're like, oh, who is this secret zombie amongst yes. us? And Mr. Darcy has to do his little fly thing again.
1: <laughs> or or if he's the one, then he has to be like, oh, the flies are dead. You can't do that. <laughs> he doesn't want to be found out. Yeah, oh my god. You know, it's just so many more ideas than literally what they gave us, which was the same premise as this movie. Stupid. uh, So yeah, we do have, on season three of this podcast, we do have a new segment where it's just kind of things that we would improve if we were the ones making this movie. And yeah, I think the first thing would be cut out that stupid end credits scene. Stupid
0: end credits scene.
1: Okay, the original Pride and
0: Prejudice. So long of a story. The movie's so long. Oh, my God. The uh, 2005 Keira Knightley, Fred and Prejudice, is, like, one of my... I think it would be one of my comfort movies if it wasn't, like, mm, eight hours long. <laughs> like, it's so long. <laughs> um, but it's so just, like, kind of heartfelt and romantic and everything. But this movie... And I know a lot of the times I say mm, they could have cut this, they should have cut this. But this movie, I feel like they should have made longer, like the other cuz Pride and Prejudice has so much going on in it, even in just the regular Regency era rom-drum kind of stuff that adding on <laughs> the extra layer of like this whole other backstory of uh, this new world that they're in and the zombie setting, it's a lot to do in the the time they did so. I would have probably made it longer to specifically spend more time on a character relationships. They really only focused on kind of the maybe five or six main characters, being like Elizabeth and Darcy, Jane and Bingley, and then like the side characters like Wickham and Mr. Collins. But I think they could have really developed more like Elizabeth's relationships between her sisters because we didn't really get to see much of any of the other three sisters Um, and also Charlotte her best friend shows up at like the 11th hour at the end and she's like hey by the way I'm marrying Mr. Collins and you're like hmm Who are you? (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) And of course, her relationship with her dad, which is one of my favorite things about the 2005 version is, oh, what's his name? The guy that plays President Snow in the Hunger Games. He does such a good job as Elizabeth's dad. And they clearly have like such a good relationship with each other where like her mom is always pushing her to, you know, be more girly and marry rich and do what society wants. And the dad is like, no, I just want you to be happy. And... I love that about the original. I wish they'd put some of that in here.
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. So good. Yeah. Because I well, I was looking at the wiki for this movie. I found out that it went through a lot of different directors before the director that actually did it signed on. And as soon as he got the job, he did a rewrite of this script. And apparently he had reinserted all of the Pride and Prejudice beats. Because I got the sense that this was very much, first and foremost, a Pride and Prejudice retelling, which is all well and good. But it kind of was like a little disconnected from the mm-hmm. zombie thing, especially in the first half where it's just like, oh, I'm watching Pride and Prejudice. Why are there zombies here? And they don't really. It's like, oh, we're going to a ball in the Regency era. And then like every 15 minutes or so, there would be like, oh, by the way, there's zombies here. And it's like, oh, yeah, I forgot. About- <laughs> forgot about that. So yeah, I think if they had a little more time, they could have intertwined the zombie elements more with the Pride and Prejudice elements. I think they did a good job for the time that they had. But yeah, you're right. If they had more time to focus on the characters and the relationships, I think they also could have focused more on like the zombie thing because it comes up periodically in the first half. And then in the last quarter, when it's all zombie stuff, it's like, this is like a lot. All of a sudden, um, instead of intertwining the two elements throughout the whole thing, spacing it out uh, a little better. But yeah, I I do wish they expanded on the relationships more. I had no idea that was actually her best friend. I thought, like, "Mm, is that one of her sisters? There are so many. (laughs) I know.
0: (laughs) Um, even yeah. in, I think even in the original one, I thought while well, watching the original Pride and Prejudices that Charlotte was her sister as well. So uh, <laughs> in a lot of versions, I really don't clear that up as well. Um, totally agree. I definitely think they tried to merge the Regency stuff with the zombie stuff. And I think they did almost as good a job as they could have. You know what I mean? I I thought they did a good job of mixing the two, but I agree that it could have been a bit more fluid um, instead of, like, Regency scene and then zombie scene and then Regency and then zombie. They could have kind of woven them together a little bit more. Also because there was this, like, weird kind of subplot that they didn't mad explain about, like, the four horsemen of the apocalypse (laughs) that there was some, like, prophecy that the four horsemen would arrive when the the world is ending or something like that, that they didn't really explain all that much. It was just like every so often these four dudes in top hats would kind of appear and then disappear. And you're like, what was that about? (laughs) So I (laughs) do feel like some of the zombie stuff and especially some of the lore, I guess, could have been just like, I don't know, take an extra half hour to kind of expand on that.
1: Yeah, but it was a good, like I said at the beginning, it was a good Pride and Prejudice retelling. I think if they did like a straight without the zombies Pride and Prejudice retelling, mm-hmm. I think it would have been like really good. I think it would have been almost yes. as good as Kira Knightley. Lily James, who plays uh, Liz in this movie, did, I think, an excellent job. I uh, yes. didn't like the Darcy as much as I said. Mm -hmm. because He he was a little uh, different, not as soft as the other Darcy's. But yeah, I think the only other thing I would say is I did wish it was more like a parody. And again, this is just my Mm. preconceived notions of what the movie would be before going into the movie. But I thought it was going to be like an asylum movie. I thought it was going to be like vampires suck, that kind of humor. And then when it was like, A battle of wits Shakespearean style (laughs) Um, I was like oh that's very interesting (laughs) that's not what I was expecting yeah I I don't know it's just that's kind of the mindset I had going into it I think an easy way that they could have made it funnier if they wanted to go that uh, route is just to have modern day songs not you know (laughs) not Bridgerton style where they kind of they're like you know at a ball, and they're playing on the violin, a modern song. No, I mean, like, the actual... Smash <laughs> all-star is playing. I want it to be sung by Smash Mouth themselves. I want to be in the fight Smash scene. Smash Mouth with li-
0: are zombies. They <gasps> show up in this movie, Smash Mouth the band in the Regency era, so they're playing it
1: on, like... <laughs> oh my god, like you, know, you know who I think would be great in this movie if a band showed up? Sugar who? Ray. Sugar oh my Ray God. because not only has Sugar Ray been in the Scooby-Doo movies, we did the first movie a couple of years ago, but they've also, like, the lead singer of Sugar Ray was also just, like, in uh, Sharknado 2. He was yes. not. As the lead singer of Sugar Ray, he was like a character in uh, Sharknado 2. I think he would be down to do like a Pride and Prejudice zombie movie and play some fucking Sugar Ray bangers.
0: Oh my god, we need to replace... Okay, I'm thinking, right? We replace Mr. Darcy with
1: Sugar Ray. Yes! <laughs> you know what I, I would have loved is everyone is the same You know, everything is the same, except Darcy is played by Mark McGrath of Sugar Ray fame. And he dresses like he's still in the 90s, the 1990s, not the eighteen (laughs) nineties. He is like the modern day. He's only modern day person. And he talks and dresses and acts like he's in the 90s. But everyone else like does not bat an eye. They just talk to him like they're um all in the regency era and he's like that's sick dude anyway you want to like marry me or something <laughs> and she's like no i couldn't my father wouldn't allow it whatever uh, and he's like oh, that's too bad anyway sick i'm going to go and <laughs> you know i'm going to go and get some like tunes you know yeah <laughs> i i think that would have been um best addition to this movie <laughs> that would
0: have been so good we have to get Okay, so in our version of Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, obviously, Mr. Darcy still stanks like a puddle of dirt. He is stanky boy. What if we have Smash Mouth just, like, backing him up in every scene, but they're dressed as the Ninja Turtles?
1: oh my god okay okay so we got um lead singer of sugar ray as mr darcy then yes. we got as the ninja turtles that the teenage mutant ninja turtles themselves yeah we got the members of smash mouth, of smash
0: mouth. and they is. do they do mashup
1: songs of sugar ray and smash mouth. it's a full jukebox musical oh this my is god. such a good idea and then she's like oh my god mr darcy you stank is it all the manure from getting the flies? And he's like, nah, it's the weed. He smokes a lot of weed in the field. <laughs> that
0: Regency grass. <laughs> <laughs> Elizabeth is like, uh, you would be the last man I would ever be prevailed upon to marry. And then Smashmouth and Mr. Darcy, as a, a sugar ray, um, are like,
1: damn, somebody once told me that I was not good enough to marry. <laughs> You know, somebody once told him the world was gonna roll him, and you know what? Yeah. They were right. <laughs> just like he's rolling this big, fat, blunt right in front of her. Oh. <laughs> he's like I gotta take the edge off. This stings, dude. I got you. Really hurt me deep down. I gotta, you know, gotta take a big old puff of this. <laughs> That's why
0: he's so stinky. Yeah.
1: That's why he's so stinky. <laughs> oh
0: wow! We just created the best pride and prejudice retelling maybe ever
1: oh my god bridget jones who (laughs) yeah anyway so that's you know our version Mm -hmm. uh pride and prejudice and zombies oh yeah the zombies we forgot about the zombies but yeah there are zombies in our (laughs) version too um Yeah, they just find him, like, Teenage Mutant Ninja style. And then he's mm-hmm. like, oh, shit, dude, zombies? And takes his skateboard and he skates away. He's like, I'm sick of this shit. <laughs>
0: he just got rides it. off. I got it, I got it, I got it. Okay, Everyone okay, okay. shut up. Okay, <laughs> here's the deal. It's a zombie virus, but when you get bitten, you turn into a mutant turtle. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my and God. so Smash Mouth is like... Darcy's little posse it's Bingley and Bingley's sister and whoever else that's following him and they've just all been bitten by zombies so they turned into giant turtles
1: oh so that's what everyone has to fight oh my god and they got these tough old shells very hard to kill very hard to bite into well mm-hmm. you wouldn't be biting the zombies mm-hmm. <laughs> the only way to kill these zombies is to bite their flesh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was super high when he came up with that solution, but it works. I was just thinking, it doesn't have anything to do with our
0: clearly superior version of uh, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. But for this version, for the version that we just watched, I feel like it should have gone hard R. You know what I mean? Mm, okay. Okay. Okay, I feel like it did a really good job on the kind of horror aspect of zombies, because maybe it's just because I watch a lot of zombie movies, some kind of disentune to them, but I don't find zombies all that scary, you know what I mean? They're fun movies to watch, and they're very suspenseful, but like, I'm not like, ah, a zombie, you know what I mean? Whereas this movie got, like, the spookiness of the the zombies across to me. I got a, a couple jump scares in there. Maybe it was because I was, I was watching this at night. <laughs> but um, I feel like, just to take that a step further, there's a lot of, like, action scenes where there's a lot of, like, close-ups of things so they don't have to really show you what's going on. Or, like, when they slash at a zombie, their sword is still kind of clean. Like, I feel like... And I, I think I heard that this movie was kind of in development for a while because they they had an R rating and then they were trying to cut some stuff out to make it a PG-13 so that they could appeal to the widest audience. And I feel like they should have just gone for the R and just gone full above and beyond with the gore and everything.
1: Yes, completely agree. I think they could have taken it a a step up. And also with the language, they could have. Yeah. You know, if he's gonna be mean, might as well be down, dirty, nasty, mean. I
0: want those
1: Shakespearean insults. I bite my thumb at you, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Also, by the way, in our version, like the moment Wickham is like, by the way... I'm a zombie apologist, a zombie sympathizer. A a, a turtle sympathizer, if you will. Sorry, a turtle sympathizer? We gotta have lead singer of Sugar Ray, Mr. Darcy, be like, just smoking some pot and be like, "Mm, that's because you're a turtle, right? Like, (laughs) Just right away. Just being like, "Mm, I see. So you're a turtle? Like, that's the vibe I'm getting. So yeah, you're you're like like, 100% deaf a turtle. He goes into his shell a little bit. No, but (laughs) (laughs) He's got, like, a full-ass shell on his back. (laughs) He's like, that's my backpack. (laughs) He's like, "Mm, likely story.
0: (laughs) Just came from math class. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So that, I think, unless you have anything else, that's all I think I would change for this movie.
1: Yeah, me too. So... You know, now that we've kind of wrapped up our final thoughts, I really want to know what the internet thinks of this movie. Uh, Before that, though, I have a few pieces of trivia from IMDb. Apparently, all of the actresses playing the Bennett sisters did their own stunts for the film, which I think is like very impressive. And they would have to train up to five times a week in combat fighting and boxing. Ooh, very cool. Good for them. Also, just, you know, a lot of actresses kind of were considered for the role of Liz. Let me read out some names. Okay. Um, Before they eventually chose Lily James, they were considering Natalie Portman. (gasps) Um, Oh, my God.
0: Yeah. Wait a minute. That would be so good because people would confuse this one with the
1: 2005 version
0: with Kira (laughs) Knightley.
1: So she did stay on as a producer, though. Natalie Portman uh, did? Yeah. Oh, my god. Uh, they were also, I know, they were also considering Scarlett Johansson, Anne oh, wow. Hathaway, Emma Stone, <gasps> Mila Kunis, Blake Lively, a lot of people. These are great options.
0: I have to say, I think Lily James did a great job, and I'm glad they went with her. But, mm-hmm. wow, big names, great, great options.
1: Yeah, I thought, you know, coming into this, I thought this was, like, a very low-budget um, movie, but no, there are a lot of stars yeah. that were uh, being considered. Uh, at one point, Jennifer Aniston and Rowan Atkinson were attached. No way um, to the movie. It doesn't say what roles. If you had to guess, what Rowan Atkinson, <laughs> what role he was playing. For so Mr. Collins? Guess? Yeah, I was thinking that too. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know for sure, but yeah, that's a good guess. Yeah, so those are some just some fun facts. Um, this was a, a lot. A higher budget than I thought it would be.
0: Yeah, for sure. To hire, like, big names like uh, Anne Hathaway and Scarlett Johansson and Emma Stone. Wow.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: now that we've kind of gone over our own thoughts of the movie, I'm curious to see what the internet thought about about this movie. Because, I mean, I really liked it, but it got such bad reviews that I am curious to see what specifically people were not into. So... We have two reviews here from IMDb. The first is by user Prishmark10, who gave it a 4 out of 10, and their tagline is Gordon Bennett! <laughs> <laughs> Pride and Prejudice and Zombies should have been a fun mashup, but it takes itself too seriously. Burstears seems to be overawed by the Jane Austen novel itself and was maybe too respectful. It is love in the picture-pretty 19th century England. The Bennett sisters have learned martial arts in the Far East because surrounding them are zombies. Elizabeth Bennett, Lily James, is fascinated by the humorless and disapproving Mr. Darcy, Sam Reilly. He is a dedicated zombie killer who uses flies to detect the undead. Mr. Wickham is one of the charmers of the Bennet sisters who has a sinister intentions. He believes a breed of pig-eating zombies and humans should be living side by side. The action scenes are a bit of a disappointment, the tone is uncertain, and it should have been more bizarre and funny. Matt Smith gets it right, though, as Reverend Collins, but others are just too deadpan.
1: Yeah, I do agree with the director being a little too respectful Mm. of the source material. You know, like we said, the Pride and Prejudice elements were a little disconnected from the zombie elements. I think he could have gone down and dirty with it. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Darcy is a fucking weed, weed hound. Yeah, dude. Uh, everyone's a fucking ninja turtle. I think we got the right idea. Oh, yeah. It would have been <laughs> so much better. It have been so much better. That's what uh, Jane Austen would have wanted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So the next IMDb review we have is by
0: user rdrift1879, who gave it a 4 out of 10, and their tagline is, clever idea, but... As a male who really enjoys Jane Austen's fine novel, I thought this was a really clever idea for a whim, but a clever idea needs some thoughtful execution. This film tries,
1: but it stinks fairly quickly. (laughs) I think it stinks. But, you know, with Mr. Darcy here, it does stink also.
0: (laughs) This film tries, but it sinks fairly quickly, even though Mr. Darcy does, in fact, stink. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There are a few humorous moments, but it starts to really drag. At times, it was almost like watching a TV-level version of Pride and Prejudice, the zombies only occasionally making an appearance. Keep your expectations
1: low, and you may find it amusing. And we got some savage reviews from IMDb, and uh, we got some more reviews from Letterboxd. So let's see what they have to say. So the first review we have for today is by Catherine, who gave it three and a half stars. Lady Catherine? Oh. Oh. And Lady Catherine says, Lily James in a corset wielding guns and knives. That's a big hell yeah from me. (laughs) <laughs> Me too <laughs> Agreed uh, The next review is by Jay who gave it two stars And Jay says Lily James starts the movie Only wanting to fight And couldn't care less about men And she ends still fighting But caring a little about men Poor character development <laughs> <laughs> The third review Is by Spin Roth who gave it one star terrible, dot, 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 not enough zombies to be worth seeing, not enough humor to be worth seeing, not enough blood to be worth seeing, not spooky enough to be worth seeing, not enough action to be worth seeing, not enough romance to be worth seeing, not interesting enough to be worth seeing, horribly boring, and absolutely, and these next three words are in all caps, NOT WORTH SEEING. Jesus! (laughs) Call him 21 because this guy is savage. (laughs) (laughs) So the last review from Letterboxd we have for today is by Holly Beth, who gave it two and a half stars. And Holly Beth says, it is a truth universally acknowledged that the most important thing in a Pride and Prejudice adaptation, zombies or not, is the Darcy casting dot dot dot. I can't believe they got the fucking raven from maleficent. dot dot, dot. <laughs> I could cry. The zombies were hotter.
0: <laughs> oh my god, I forgot he was in that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: wow. So there's some scathing reviews from <laughs> oh, wow. Letterboxd too. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, just for reference, IMDb gave this movie a 5.8 out of 10 and the critics on Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 46%, while the audience gave it a 45%. So yeah, the Ooh. reviews are in, and they're not good. Yikes! Okay. I feel like, <laughs> I
0: feel like we kind of know where I'm going with this. <laughs> um, I, I'm curious to know what your thoughts are on this movie, what you would give it on a number scale, because, um, well, first of all, Uh, If you're new to the podcast, we rate all the movies that we watch on what we call the Goldblum scale, named after a fabled zombie killer, Jeff Goldblum. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And uh, it's a scale of bad movies. So a 10 out of 10 is not necessarily a perfect movie. It's, It's just, you know, good for a bad movie. And a 1 out of 10 is so bad, I could barely finish it. So for you coming from a background of, you know, knowing a bit about Pride and Prejudice, but, you know, not having watched sort of a of the movies or whatever like I don't know did you view this as like a Pride and Prejudice adaptation or just like a movie and also kind of like what number do you think you would give it
1: first of all I gotta say in our version of Pride and Prejudice where Darcy's played by Mark McGrath of was Sugar yes. Ray and also their turtles right um Jeff Goldblum Collins that's all I
0: say. <gasps> he would make such a good <laughs> Mr. Collins you're so right oh my god
1: <laughs> He's gotta, right? Um, But as for my rating, I came into this thinking it would be like just a movie. I I thought it was going to be like a parody movie again, like an asylum movie. Coming out of it, I realized it was a Pride and Prejudice retelling first and foremost. So I did, you know, uh, consider it a Pride and Prejudice movie because I did get all of the information that I would have gotten watching uh, another version of Pride and Prejudice, I think. The thing is, I did come into it expecting other things. I expected it to be funnier, not in the um, style of of humor that it was in the book, where it relied on wit. I thought it was going to be like a more so like a Shaun of the Dead type thing, that kind Mm. of humor. So I came into it with different expectations, and I was a little disappointed comparing this to the version of it that I had in my head Mm -hmm. so I will give it a lower rating but that doesn't mean that it wasn't a good movie or it wasn't a good Pride and Prejudice retelling because I think it was a really good Pride and Prejudice retelling and I kind of uh, almost wish that they had done like a straight retelling without zombies because I think the cast would have done a great job but I will give it because of my own little movie that I made up in my head before I watched the actual movie, I will give it maybe like a three. It was, you know, I Whoa. didn't. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm so sorry. I know you love this movie. Um, I'm going to give it a three because and this is just a differing of uh, we both like different tropes and we both like different things. So I don't, uh, in general, really uh, gravitate towards enemies to lovers stories. So that's something I didn't like this Darcy as much as other Darcys. I don't know. It it didn't live up to the expectation in my head. So I'm going to give it a three. And I'm so sorry, because I know you love this movie. (laughs) But what would you give it as someone who has more of an uh, admiration and more you know, of a background with Pride and Prejudice than I do. And um, as someone coming into this for uh, the second time, what would you give it?
0: Oh, okay, wow, that was a lot lower than I was expecting, but it's okay. It's I, I do think a lot of it, like, comes down to expectation, I guess, because I was expecting this to be, like, a serious movie. So when I got a serious movie, I was, like, happy with that. I, I do agree. You know, there were definitely things that could have been more streamlined or fixed or whatever more like integrated the zombie stuff better with the regency um had mr darcy be a bit more just sort of awkward rather than mean you know stuff we talked about but in general i really love this movie this is the movie that got me into pride and prejudice and just like general regency era the historical romance movies in general it's because of this movie that I got into like the original Pride and Prejudice and other stuff like Emma and Little Woman and Bridgerton. This is the thing that got me in love with that kind of genre. I think it's a really <laughs> I think it's a really good retelling of Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. It definitely has like its flaws, but I think in general it did a really good job of taking this really well-known classic story and giving it a modern twist and making it a believable world. They didn't just I don't know, I didn't get the feeling that they just tacked on zombies for the sake of zombies. It, like, made sense why the zombies were in this world. And they changed how the Regency era worked, believably, to have, you know, women be in a a kind of a different role. I thought it was really good. The 2005 Keira Knightley version of Pride and Prejudice, I think, will always be my favorite version. But I really think this was a very good take on it. I'm going to
1: go totally opposite side. I'm going to give it like a nine. (laughs) Damn, that is this is, you know, one of the highest ratings, according to us, Um, according to you specifically, uh, (laughs) that we've ever given a movie. I don't we rarely go above, you know, an eight, even a seven is is very good on our podcast. So this is a a true testament to what a good uh, a good movie it is if you're in the mood for uh, Pride and Prejudice. Retelling, like, yeah wow I am glad that you chose a high number because this is our fun season and I'm yeah. glad that it did live up to the fun part
0: you know what it's got that I've been seeing these videos on, on TikTok a lot recently <laughs> of just girls posting you know just like that kind of fantasy I think that you know every kind of little girl has had at some point of like the 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 lifestyle of A knife sheathed on your thigh under your dress, dagger to throat romance, that kind of thing. It's it's like this (laughs) romantic fantasy aspect where it's like this girl that's very girly. She wears dresses. She's in this like kind of old timey British era, but also she can kick ass. And I really, really love that. I think one of the reasons why it didn't do very well were people kind of scoffing at the absurdity of the zombie edition or like you maybe expecting something different. But for me, at least... I thought it was a very good adaptation.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I will say it's a very good Halloween movie, especially now we're kind of at the beginning of the month where we're just kind of warming up to the spooky season. And I think this is a great warm-up movie to get to like the more spooky stuff. Because this has spooky, but it also has, as you said, it has romance. It has a a little bit of uh, other elements that I think are very good for like the beginning of October vibes.
0: Yeah, and... It's also a good way to get into Pride and Prejudice. If you are a fan of horror or action or anything, and like me, you weren't really into romance movies before. This is a good blank like, way to break into that. To like <laughs> I don't know. I think the mix of romance with this like hard action. It's a honestly because it stands on its own. It's like you watch this and you know the Pride and Prejudice story. So this is a good way to get into Pride and Prejudice if you're looking to do that as well.
1: Yeah, it's very accessible. The thing that has always kind of kept me from reading Pride and Prejudice or watching Pride and Prejudice is that I didn't think that I would understand it. It's kind of like studying Shakespeare in school. You have to really um, be willing to pay a lot of attention and and stuff like that so that's kind of what deterred me from reading the book but this is a good way to get the story and all the elements of the story without feeling like you're studying something you know
0: yes yeah
1: yeah so that's whatever <laughs> whatever you like if you like romance if you like spooky um this is a good movie that's uh, all we got for today. Um, if you want to go out and watch uh, a kind of spooky Halloween movie, I would recommend this one. If you want to watch any Regency era stuff, any romances, this is a good movie to start October off with. And that's kind of all we have for you today. So if you want to recommend some other fun movies, other Halloween movies for our other two episodes in October. You can always email us some ideas at Sunday Podcast at gmail.com. Or, you know, you can hit us up on Twitter or Letterboxd. We're at BMS Podcast on both. If you've seen this movie, if you have ideas for other movies we can do, um, yeah, we would really love to get your opinion on this because we're, it's not very often that we're divided on a movie like this. <laughs> yeah. You're the human. I'm the zombie. We're in that little war. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm Mark McGrath. You're a ninja turtle. It'll <laughs> <laughs> wow. never work out. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, and a big thank you to everyone who's listening, um, and especially a big thank you to Kevin McLeod for providing our theme music. The song is Riptide, and you can find it on his website, incompetech.filmmusic.io. Thank you so much for listening to this episode.
0: You are welcome to watch this movie for yourself if you want to, which I honestly would really suggest. In the meantime, we've been Bad Movie Sunday. I'm Ashley. I'm Amy. And we will see you next, next week.